All right, welcome to the Holistic Nutrition Hub podcast. Today I have Maggie here with me. Thanks for being here with me, Maggie. Oh, it's my joy. Absolute pleasure. Awesome. So I just want you to give a little bit of an introduction about who you are and uh, what you do in the nutrition world. Okay, well, um, I'm a holistic nutritionist trained here in Canada and uh, I'm qualified officially as a registered nutritional therapist as well as a clinical nutritional practitioner also um, serving women who are going through menopause and are concerned with metabolic illnesses like cancer or diabetes. So that's kind of where I live and what I do. But I absolutely love the concept of holistic nutrition, taking care of the whole person. That's why I got into it. And, and what got you into holistic nutrition in the first place? I feel like most holistic nutritionists have a backstory or something that drove them in this direction, let's say. Well, I don't think my backstory is like most holistic nutritionists. Um, often I've come across others who had some kind of health issue and they were trying to really um, work through it. And that led them to the training. For me, it actually started with the roots that I grew up with. So I was born and grew up in Jamaica. And my grandma at the time wanted to be when she was a young person she wanted to be uh, an apothecary which is like a compounding pharmacist and back in those days women weren't allowed to have those kinds of careers and because of who she was she just took it into her home so she became an apothecary for the family basically and she was always interested in herbals and remedies and natural health support and she passed that down to my mom who had 12 children and the youngest and as a result we were all raised with natural health and growing up in Jamaica I had wonderful opportunities like picking herbs from gardens watching mangoes fall from trees so the natural health environment was something that was very strong in my bones and um, a couple of my sisters also really encouraged my path. I wanted to be a massage therapist at first. And just as I was getting into um, that field, I migrated to Canada. And mm. then to get on my feet in Canada, I took the, I guess, the safe route at the time, uh, which was to fall back on my career in marketing and then eventually, you know, life changed and situations changed. And I went back to that question of what is it that I really love to do and what is it that I really want to do? And my decision was I love helping people. And the core of who I am is doing that through natural health solutions. So that led me back to holistic nutrition. And the school that I found was perfect. And here I am. And how did you determine your like niche of working with like menopausal women or metabolic health issues? Great question. Well, I found that uh, a lot of women ignore themselves. And when, when I started out uh, just looking at holistic nutrition, I basically looked across the board and thought, who is it, who is it that I would love to work with? And I decided I prefer women. And the reason is women tend to look after everyone else except themselves. We tend to 
really give more than we welcome for ourselves. And so I thought, what if I could support women and just help them through their own health challenges? So that was the first step. And the second step was I realized that the woman that tends to ignore herself the most is the one going through menopause. And that's when she needs the most support because that life change affects every step that she makes beyond that stage of life. So I thought if I could support women who are menopausal, the women who are likely to have university students or, or young ones just heading off to university, and the women who also tend to have older aging parents that they're looking to support as well. And they're sandwiched in between those two years, also trying to make a life for themselves, perhaps trying to figure out what does the potential emptiness look like? Uh, what was happening in my own body? Oh no, I can't manage everything. So I thought this would be the perfect kind of person to support and offer a little bit of relief and advice to to help to take care of themselves so that's what made me choose menopausal women such a beautiful like story behind everything that you just said um do you feel like it's like a compounding factor like the majority of women ignore themselves like even before they hit menopause and then as menopause hits they've got like empty nester syndrome and then parents that are sick and they divide their time between those two things and then just never realize how important it is to take care of themselves, especially in that huge transitional uh, time in their life. Exactly. That's exactly it. And so my, I see my role as being somebody to be able to offer tremendous support, holistic nutrition advice and holistic advice, lifestyle uh, supplemental food as medicine recommendations therapeutically to help them to feel that not only are they taking care of their own health and being superheroes in their own life, but then they're realizing that they can now be superheroes for others, which is what they were doing before, but depleting their own resources. Right. So, and not, and not yeah. feeding themselves yeah. like a nur- in a nourishing way. And I feel I've talked a lot about this lately on the podcast is that oh. I feel like society has trained us almost to be in a constant state of depletion and that if yes. you aren't depleted, you're not working hard enough. And I Absolutely think, true. I think that it's such a, like a backwards way of thinking and coming back to your story. I just want to like kind of dig into like growing up in Jamaica would you say like ancestral health is kind of more still or like a tribal mentality we can call it whatever we want Mm -hmm. is kind of a more prevalent thing there still than in let's say like typical western countries I think it's changing a little bit sadly Lynn because um it's much more uh it's it's about growing up in the wild, but also the influences of other countries are, you know, the global economy has invaded the island and mm. um, the effect is more the influence of what seems to be uh, better. So we have lots more importation than when I was little and there are more foreign foods. There's huge global trade and... So folks are shopping in the supermarket much more than thinking about growing their own foods. So ancestrally, 
we might be looking beyond things that would be naturally good for our health. Um, things that would grow indigenously in Jamaica, we might be preferring not to consume them and maybe going towards, you know, North American foods or, you know, things that are likely to have less nutrition because they have traveled farther to get to us. Um, so I think it's changed quite a bit actually since I grew up um, because we're less likely to pick a mango off a tree, for example, even though I know Jamaicans love mangoes. <laughs> we're more likely to go shopping and look for the American apple. And whilst it's still good, it's not going to be as ancestrally nourishing, as you mentioned, to the gut that is used to the mangoes, you know, so it's interesting. And your microbiome is really important, as I'm sure everyone who is even a little bit aware of natural health knows that your gut health is key to your overall health. Mm -hmm. And do you think like, I, I, I see this kind of happening a lot um, with other kind of like superfoods, like we can say mango, in my opinion, is a superfood. I think it, it does a lot yes. for our gut. Uh, it has yes. great enzymes in it. All of those things, I consider it to be a superfood. But when we look at other, like, let's say Southern countries where we, um, where they export what is nourishing to them and maybe ancestrally really well known, like quinoa or something like that. Do you think that there's a lot of exportation of these foods that you guys would have naturally been eating and then more importation of like junk food or standard American diet food? Um, do you think that that's maybe like where the transition is happening or it's just like global economy has taken over? People want the simplicity of just going to the market and buying like whatever off the shelf and not having to worry about growing and being connected to nature. I think a lot of it is just globalization because mm -hmm. people are being influenced by so much now, you know, social media, the whole um, idea of just what you mentioned, overworking, overdoing yourself, you know, pushing yourself to the maximum. And so, yes, it's definitely caught on in terms of a cultural habit where people are less likely to go home and cook. There's, you know, they're being affected by those trends. They're working too late at the office. So grab and go is a mentality. Uh, it's a lot easier to grab and go something that's been prepared for you. And so you're less likely to seek out the natural earth grown items that would be indigenous to Jamaica. I think um, a lot more trends in terms of not just business, but culturally as well. Less people are cooking, less and less. They're cooking less and less. So um, I'm not saying that you, you don't have delicious meals being prepared by, you know, the diehards because me in Canada, Canada, I cook every single day. Mm -hmm. I make a meal every single day. It's rare that I don't. So I'm sure there are still folks that are doing that, but the trends are definitely being impacted globally. And in terms of exports from the island, I think I wish that I could say we exported more. Um, I'm kind of glad from the nutritional perspective that maybe we're not exporting what's indigenously rich to us but I think it would benefit the island if we got a few more things going like years ago we used to export sugar cane and then it became refined and processed as sugar now that's a no-no in the natural health world <laughs> but natural sugar cane is powerful and rich in minerals and so 
good for us. And I have memories of being a little girl and having to, you know, stop the the syrupy deliciousness from <laughs> dripping down my throat. So not my throat, sorry, my neck. Your face, yeah. But uh, my face. But um, yeah, many people would not know that that's the real deal with sugar. You know, you can actually literally bite down on this very stalky kind of plant and it just releases all this delicious juice, which is rich in minerals and very sweet, naturally sweet. But you can't eat a lot of it because it's so stalky. Then you just stop at like maybe one joint of the sugar cane and you're good. Whereas the refined, processed, over-processed sugar that we consume here is a totally different thing. So um, all the minerals are stripped all away, the are all the benefits of it. Yeah, it's, it's just no gone. longer right. no longer a whole food at that point. Exactly. Um, and we don't um, export that anymore. Um in terms of, you know, an item that's consumable for health, we don't explore that. Uh, mm. Not in a lot, not in a large quantity, anyway. Interesting. I have another kind of question in terms of like a mm-hmm. kind of cultural approach to health is like, when yeah. it comes to like, women in, <clears throat> let's say Canada or the United States, I think that we've kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, lost that connection between our parents and our grandparents in the passing down of knowledge, right? So you said your grandmother was True. a very important role. She played a very important role in, you know, talking about um, herbal remedies and natural foods and all of these things. Do you think that that is like a disservice to these women who are going through this transitional stage of like menopause or just women in general that were kind of missing that tribe of women to help us walk through these transitional times in our lives Lynn you hit it I love that um I absolutely agree totally that this has happened and it's one of the reasons I feel compelled to keep moving forward in my practice and doing what I do because I realize that there's this huge disconnection not just with women and their bodies and how it functions or people and their bodies and how they function, but there's a disconnection between how do I feed myself? Where does the food come from? What is the source? And then also there's this other disconnection that you mentioned where women are just, they're not aware that there are stories that have been told for years that will be useful to help them to learn more and to heal their bodies. And I guess I am one of the very lucky, very blessed ones who had not just my grandmother's generation, but, you know, she passed it down to my mom and her sister who passed it down to my sisters and to me. And I continue to pass it down to my nieces and, you know, um, my nephews too, of course. Um, I'm not against taking care of guys just for (laughs) clarity, but, um, but I just love supporting women. And that's why, because if we had more stories told that were um, passed down, we'd have more of an inclination of, oh, maybe I should consider this for my healing, or maybe I should consider, you know, that I am maybe needing even more sleep for my body because I, when I grew up, I was told early to bed, early to rise makes, uh, well, at the time it said man, but man healthy, wealthy, and wise, but that meant mankind. So, you know, if, if we learn just little things like that growing up, we don't 
get disconnected. But I found that in exploring with people today, little things that I've taken for granted, little nuggets of wisdom that I've grown up with, they don't know. And it's been a joy to teach them, but it's also been a surprise because I've been like, wow, I really guess I grew up with something different. And I was nourished, not just uh, physically, but I was nourished in the mind and in the spirit. And that's why being a holistic nutritionist makes me feel so at home, I guess, because it's taking care of the whole person, which I love doing mm-hmm. with whole foods. Yeah, you know. I I I sometimes feel like growing up in Canada, I felt like I didn't have a culture, you know, like I know Canada uh, has its culture like hockey and we're a little bit mm-hmm. wild and we have a great country and it's really beautiful and all of those things. But I feel like I didn't have these stories that were passed down to me. And sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like um, I'm going to say this as a privileged white person I sometimes feel (laughs) like I'm kind of pushed out from the spheres that still hold all this like culture and knowledge and like connection to earth and connection to our bodies connection to like history and stories and I kind of feel like I get pushed out of those and it's like I want to spend time trying to rebuild those things to feel like I can be at home um maybe not in a country, but like feel at home in my body, you know, like that this is the place that I'm supposed to be. And that, you know, we are very highly connected to the sun. Like you said, like going to bed early means going to bed early because the sun goes down and not yes. having the the light being fed to us be artificial light and then wake up with the sun. And it has a huge role in how our microbiome functions. It has a huge role in our circadian rhythm has a huge role in how we like metabolically function and it's true these are the things that I've had to like learn from indigenous people or from people who still have that piece of culture being passed down that is really not that far away from where we are today like we like to think ancestral healing and we look to like uh, well, the paleosphere always talks about hundreds of thousands of years ago or 50,000 years ago. But even if you just go back, like with your story, one or two generations, you know, these were things that were still really well known before industrialization kind of hit into your country as well. And so for me, I think it's such a, we have a lot to learn from looking at not that far back really and really listening to these stories that people were teaching and what the words were really meaning right like even if you look at some biblical things you can take it as being Jesus but you can also take it as being other things like the sun Mm -hmm. for example and so it's it's cool when you start taking what you've learned on a scientific level and then moving it into different religions or different little pieces like that you can really start pulling these stories together and being like that's what they meant like we should be treating this like a temple because it is it's a very very lucky that we have it and how we treat ourselves is so so important very important our bodies are a fine balance I love what you said though in terms of seeking your own cultural way of interacting and building those connections back to yourself and incorporating that as your daily lifestyle, your overall eating habits, you know, your potential to literally enjoy your life in a very connected way. And I I have to agree with you. I think it's trending more towards that. So I'm hoping that, you know, if if we lost the wave at some point, I'm hoping that it's really coming back and that we can draw on indigenous folks, of course, 
and hopefully the stories stories sorry will continue to be passed along but um in terms of canada and canadian culture uh i find that um when i landed here <laughs> when i landed here uh i found that the mix was an influence from our neighbors south of us so the american way and an inflow of a little bit of european and a lot of british culture so i think in terms of just that ancestrally even learning you know the sort of the percentage of who you are can kind of help you to see what is it that you should draw on to help you i've done a couple of um, nutrition dna tests and found out a little bit more about myself and i think it's kind of a great avenue to explore so maybe you could do that for yourself personally but I also try to encourage clients who are a little bit disconnected that way too because of course where you grew up for example many Mediterranean people have found out that even if they live in Canada they have to seek out vitamin d they don't have a choice they have to make sure that their life is filled with good fats like omega threes because that is something that naturally would have been in their cell makeup from their heritage. So it's kind of a cool thing, as you said, to connect science to the culture and yeah. you know, see see what we get from that. We definitely like I I have done my genetic testing and I I have looked oh, back. And it's really interesting because like you said, like <clears throat> I find that the food that my body tends to need is actually leaning more towards my dad's side of the family who's from Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic. That's really cool. Um back when he moved, he was it was Czechoslovakia. But um the food that they eat, you know, really, um, you know, really oily fish like mackerel and and herring and things like that are are very much part of their diet. And mm -hmm. things like rye and not wheat are part. And I'm super sensitive to wheat, but rye I have no problem with. And so it's 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 interesting because the rest of my family, like on my mom's side and my dad's mom, for example, are Irish British. Um, mm -hmm. kind of ancestral uh, they grew up there in England actually and uh, the way that they eat definitely like if we're going with like British I would say like soups and stews and like yes. um, you know like bone bone broth and like maybe like lamb and things like that are definitely the things that are very typically British yes. <laughs> that my body loves more and so definitely I see that as being a a key part of it for sure especially if you're not living where your parents or grandparents came from like in Canada like you said mm -hmm. like needing a certain nutrient or needing a certain type of food um yeah also like for example people who come from like southern countries like they can digest carbohydrates better because they're in the sun and being in the sun allows the microbiome to eat that like to compensate for what your metabolism is doing um so more carbohydrates can be eaten, which you typically find, you know, in that cuisine, beans, rice, fruits, um, you know, things like that down there. So it is really interesting when you start digging about talking about like the location of where you're getting your food and where you're consuming your food too. So like bananas in the winter in a Northern country don't make sense because they're, it too, doesn't. they're too carbohydrate rich and we don't need to be eating those in winter months up here. We should be eating, you know, more nourishing things like bone broth and meat and things like that and I wanted to say one more point back to like the connection of the land is like 
coming from the west coast of Canada, where land is really rich, um, soil is still really healthy, you have this really nice dark soil, moving to Switzerland and coming to Europe, you can almost feel the depletion of like humankind, you can imagine wow. like Africa being like a desert because we've totally destroyed that soil here. And when you kind of move up through Europe, the soil here is very clay-like, it's very depleted, It's it wow. needs a lot of nourishment. And then we're kind of moving now and going over into like North America and doing the same thing over there. Yep. And so, yes, for, me, so it's, for me, it's like, okay, how do you connect to where you are? How do you find the foods that work with your body in the area that you are and, and really tap into those, um, the benefits of that space um, and leave it better than you found it. Let's just be <laughs> very like serious about that. It's like how don't leave the area that you're living in depleted like you do with your body. Right. So like, how do you treat yourself and how do you treat everything and everybody around you? Very true. I think as you spoke, I thought about um, the concept of how the soil is made up of, you know, elements like carbon, hydrogen and oxygen and how that flows into the food that we eat. And then it makes up the cells that we are and how we breathe out carbon dioxide and that goes back into the earth, you know, literally through the air and so on. And when people if they really stop and think about it, they will realize that there is that natural connection. So if we're depleting the soil, we're depleting ourselves and vice versa, you know. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, part of the whole industrialization development has like literally cast this division between growing food, those natural elements and us being separated and not really understanding where our food comes from and not understanding how nourishing the earth can be for us and therefore being more inclined to nourish and care for the earth ourselves, like literally the soil in the earth, you know? So it's important and very interesting that you mentioned that, I think, because if you have been able to see it with your naked eyes, then we're way, way, way gone. We're way past where we should be. Mm -hmm. well and that's that's really the typical like for me as somebody who has a permaculture garden and environmentalism is really trying to for me environmentalism has like changed so much before I had these like grandiose plans of like you know like activism is exactly what I need to be doing and now it's like okay well how can I just focus on what I'm doing here and now in my own space for my own body and hope that that transfers over as an educational piece to other people and they can see that how we treat where we live and how important our environment is around us in terms of how healthy we are and how well we can live as human beings. And I think that's the piece that's getting kind of lost is that we think that we can, we're a superior species to everything, including the microbiome of the soil, including the microbiome of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But we really do rely on it. And uh, the, the nutrient density of food is directly related and correlated with the health of the microbiome of the soil. Like the plant is not going to be healthy if that is gone. Um, and it's just like our microbiome. So it's like looking at the macro and then looking at the micro of our environment. And exactly. I don't, for me, one can't go without the other. And I know that for you, like growing up, 
um, obviously more connected to the land and just being able to pick a fruit off of a tree and eat it and know what that tastes like in comparison to a fruit that was maybe picked unripe and then eaten or like ripened in store four weeks after it was pulled off of a tree or whatever it is. It's a vastly different food altogether. It does not taste the same. It does not feel the same in the body. It does not give you the same vibe even. I'm going to go that far energetically speaking. Very true. I actually realizing um, what a privilege it was to do that. You know, having moved here, I realized that it was such a huge privilege to be able to pick a fruit that is in season, literally at the time not even worry too much about the microbes on the food because it was all very very natural and literally peeling back the skin with your teeth and sinking your teeth into Mm. something that was like literally a nanosecond ago attached to its source Mm -hmm. and getting all the nutrients as well as the enjoyment of just being able to do a little bit of manual labor. It was just a little bit of picking the fruit from the tree. I didn't plant the tree, but um, you know, going into a grocery store and seeing that same fruit uh, disconnected from its source and knowing where it came from, even though I know, mm. sinking my teeth into that several hours later, it's totally different. And if it's not in season, it's 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of important to know that the food that you eat, where it comes from, how long it's taken to get to where you are, what level of nutrition it might have for you and how that can impact your system differently as opposed to if you actually grew it yourself. Really important. Very, very. And it's something, you know, like I always talk about this is like gardening actually got me into nutrition and I've gone full circle again. Like I, I've taught eco-nutrition and, and things like that, but right, I, I was like, a minute. I was like, oh, like, gardening's fun but nutrition like that's what people need to hear and and then you go into the store and you're like okay here's all this kind of nutritious food but really actually it's not Not (laughs) and then coming full circle back because it's it's like they can learn about nutrition at the same time that they're reconnecting with the land and reconnecting with like what I feel is um well human connection uh Mm -hmm. community too right like yes growing something is community so that can kind of bring me back to like the next question um I find that in my young age here (laughs) in transitional moments I have not obviously gone through menopause yet but even having children for example it's you know that transitional stage and when I had kids I felt like I just did not have my people I did not have a tribe I did not have people around me Mm. I felt like I didn't have that community and I I guess I wonder like what are people who are going through menopause in that next kind of transitional stage in their life what are they missing um I think some of it is community for sure um yeah. but what what do you think people are missing I think you're right um at, again maybe part of it is that Uh, women on the whole tend to be superheroes for everyone else except themselves so part of my strategy is to remind them how to become superheroes so they're they're sometimes missing the um, the ability to just stop and focus on themselves Mm 
Mm. So that's a really important aspect of that transition. A lot of women fear going into menopause. Some think that it's the end of life, basically, mm. uh, because they can't have children. So there's that fear that's associated with it. Mm. And fear sometimes overpowers you when you're alone. And if you're more alone going into those years, then it really becomes a huge problem from a mindset perspective, as well as just getting through the actual transition that your body is going through. So that's another aspect of it. Uh, sometimes when you are a caregiver for your older parents and trying to juggle taking care of your own family, um, you know, or maybe you're trying to do it all alone, maybe you don't have a partner at that point, uh, you then don't have time to connect with other women to find out what's going on. And then there is the physical change, you know, which is also connected very much to mood and irritability and sleeplessness. And if you don't know what those symptoms are and what to expect, you pretty much think that you're losing your mind. And I can't help but think about all the women that went before who did this all quietly on their own because it was also attached to a stigma of not speaking about your well-being not speaking about your health menopause was looked at culturally as something to hide and to be ashamed about so I try to bring all of those things out into the open and remind the ladies that I take care of that it's a natural part of life and in the same way that you celebrate menage, which is the beginning of having your menstrual cycle, the beginning of womanhood, the beginning mm -hmm. of knowing that you could one day become a mom. It's the same thing that is just at the other end of the cycle where you are now celebrating freedom. You know, you don't have to be obligated to this monthly routine. You can do things differently in your life. You can reset your health. You can reset the change that you're going through by looking at the mind, the body, and the soul and reinvent yourself again. And also one of the key things that keeps me um, thinking about supporting women through this and encouraging them, just as you said, to build that community, which is part of the role I see myself creating as well, um, to build the community because you can't do this transition alone, but also to prepare you for the next phase of life in which you don't have to get to an older stage of life and think that you're going to have aches and pains and getting old is a journey that is full of pain and sadness. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. And a lot has to do with what community you, you go there with and how healthy you take care of yourself when you're going through the menopausal years. How, how much do you take charge of your health at that point? So that later on, when your body might give you some metabolic pointers or symptoms that might serve to say that it's sort of out of balance you know how to bring it back into balance because you're not guaranteed that your body is going to be thrown off balance if you know how to take care of yourself through your menopausal years taking care of yourself now determines what happens in those older years and when you're older you become more vulnerable so it's important that while you still have your strength that you set up a certain way of handling and managing this change. So this is just a sort of a foundational uh, second stage of life where you reset the foundation so that you can have a wonderful retirement if you plan to retire, a wonderful um, second phase of life. If you've had kids, 
many women are now looking forward to being the spoiling grandmas and you mm -hmm. can do that you know you can do that with energy and strength and not be dependent on you know medications that could literally stunt your ability to be well i'm not saying medications aren't good for some people for a while but if you have the foundation of natural health during menopause you'll find that you probably have no medications in this stage of life going forward i have met recently this wonderful 93 year old lady and mm -hmm. her husband who is 94 and they're on no medications because she has chosen to live her life and to support her husband through his as natural as possible and they're continuing to do that and they have the most energy i've seen on 90 year olds they stand and walk tall um they have four children and several grandchildren and they're doing just fine so it's not impossible to you know as long as you set up your foundation it's not impossible to go into those you know older more vintage like years as i call them with strength and stamina and great health that's a long answer to your very simple i question. loved it though and i love <laughs> that you just called it vintage yes <laughs> i think that's a great it is. Word i tell everyone it. it's vintage years you you know the statement you age like fine wine well a lot of that has to do with fermentation so of course i'm a nutritionist nerd and i have to put it back to the things that are good for you so being vintage means that you have truly aged to perfection and you're really taking care of the balance that your body is asking you our bodies literally ask us to be in balance so we just need to listen i actually shared recently about that listening to the messages that your body sends you and we are so busy that's another case of the menopausal years we're so busy rushing around trying to juggle everything as women especially that we forget to listen many women have encountered for example oh i have aches and pains i hear that might be inflammation i said yes of course that could be inflammation but did you realize based on the years you know the stage of life that you're at it could be a symptom of menopause and they're like what <laughs> they don't you know that's like not something that they think of but there are over 56 symptoms that point towards menopause and many of them can be easily overlooked because they seem normal they seem like it's what you should be going through well that that resonates with me because you know as somebody who and I've just started kind of talking about this is like my autoimmune journey and like how mm -hmm. I ended up here and being superwoman but superwoman in all the wrong areas of my life and ignoring everything that my body was telling me and ignoring all of the signs and symptoms of everything that I should have been paying attention to and then how far okay. I dug myself into this hole um I think it's so important to oh the body is a very smart smart thing and those signals are very very important to pay attention to and I think the earlier people women with men anybody start listening to those signals and actually understanding what their body's asking for it's only going to make these transitional periods that much more smooth and hopefully people start recognizing that these symptoms mean that you are living too far outside of what the human biology evolutionarily speaking is capable of doing um you know, like the way we live, it's fear-based, it's busy, it's constant, it's stressful, it's social media, it's 
constant input and we don't ever pro we can't process all of that input and then we're inputting our body like with uh well chemical information through the crappy food that we're eating um so we're just inundating it all the time and then not listening to it um so of course it's going to maybe backfire on you just a smidge um and that it's an, an important thing to start actually dialing in on um as early as possible hopefully before menopause i hope i agree with you i totally agree with you you know you mentioned like having kids and um hormonal imbalances that come out of that and addressing them from then to help you to make that smooth transition i think uh you mentioned the community if more women spoke about what's happening all through those menstrual cycle years rolling into hormonal imbalances and knew that they could reset uh, naturally and help themselves to find that balance going into menopause would be much simpler much easier and the hormonal changes might not be so drastic some women have this drastic fall off and they literally feel like they're losing their minds and Mm. you don't have to feel that way there are even countries around the world where women don't have heart flashes did you know that they don't have heart flashes so and I hope Lynn when it's your turn that you are so in tune that you literally sail through and you don't really notice the physical symptoms you'll have other symptoms of course you'll feel a little overwhelmed maybe you know hopefully by then your kids will be grown up and you'll be proud of that but you'll also be like oh no they're grown up which always happens to moms yes but uh there are other things to look forward to remember there's the wonderful uh new profession or the new role of becoming the grandparent which is always fun um and then I always like to address women who might feel that they haven't completed that purpose in life of becoming a mom and Mm. so what does menopause really mean and many many women go into menopause thinking oh it's it's the end my life is over why am I even worrying about you know taking care of my health and I just like to bring them back to center and say this is a chance for you to find an even greater purpose in your life you know you can do the things that maybe you never got done it's a great opportunity to reset that's basically it it's a wonderful time to learn how to reset and create new freedoms in your life that you didn't know about regardless of what your life experience had been before it's just it's like the mountain you've reached the mountain top and now you have to decide do I climb another mountain what do I do <laughs> so it's kind of cool I think like we we kind I kind of said earlier like the micro versus the macro and mm-hmm. if we talk about you know menstruation let's say I feel like it's such a micro cycle because it's you know every 28 to 35 days kind of going through and it's you're transitioning and so for men, I kind of see like my husband's being like a 24 hour cycle more like, whereas like, I feel like it's a monthly cycle for me, you know, like two weeks of like, yeah, I'm good. And then like, maybe a little bit of like a slowdown period where I have to respect that this is my time Mm -hmm. to, um, well shed whatever has happened in the last three weeks. And I, maybe you agree with me is like once that kind of micro cycle through life over and over and over again, you kind of hit a more macro cycle again, where it's like, okay, this is the end of this period. And we have this macro cycle between now and passing away, which I think is another transition period. It is. Um, It is. 
then you kind of have this whole macro period and it's how do you want to live that cycle of your life um, and hopefully take from all of those micro cycles that you had of learning and respecting your absolutely. body. Um, absolutely. I agree with you. Like even just reflecting back to um, what were your cycles like? What did you do in those times? Just like what you said, you know, a lot of women were just going through the menstrual cycle as well. And, you know, you, you don't stop to notice, oh, maybe I have two great weeks and, oh, maybe I need to recognize that, you know, I do certain things around certain times of the month as opposed to other times. I found out quite late in my own cycle that, um, you know, after having it for many, many years, <laughs> I found out that actually during your menstrual shedding that you actually are at your strongest you can actually do lots of exercise and that was not something I knew about you know for many many years I'm not saying to overexert yourself but usually that's a time where we tend to as you said kind of dip and you feel that your energy is low but actually if you got up and moved you'd actually do better it's kind yeah. of an interesting thing of how the body responds to what it needs because of hormonal messaging that is being delivered to our cells and I think if you had asked me at the age of 20, if I knew what a hormone was, I'd say, isn't that something that women have that, you know, gives you a period? I wouldn't have thought, you know, like I wouldn't have been so in-depth and concerned about nourishing your hormones and making sure that you're eating clean. I mean, you know, it, it wasn't something that we really talked about. So again, I'm going back to your comment about community, because that is so important. Women seem to naturally gravitate to each other when they have shared experiences and that's great you know if you have kids you might meet moms who have young kids moms with teenagers will meet moms with teenagers but when you get to menopause for some reason you don't talk about it mm. so it's so important it's very very important and for the younger women you know advancing in years and going towards it if more people or women especially spoke about it uh, in their menopausal years, then the younger generation, as you said, passing down that knowledge, the younger folks would embrace it and recognize, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to not only make the best use of these last years, but also you know, build into my life in such a way that when I go through menopause, it will be a, a real choice to embrace freedom and to manage that change well and to prepare my body in such a way that I'll go into my older adult years with joy and with strength and with wellness, which is my whole goal to try and get people to do that. I'm one person, but I hope I'm making a difference. I'm sure you are, obviously. That's why we're sharing on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to quickly just kind of touch on your approach towards menopause? I think this is going to be helpful for listeners who are practitioners, but also people who might be listening and wondering about menopause too, is you use three words that I really like, renew, release, and rebalance. And do you want to just like touch on each word just a little bit to talk about what that means, what that would look like for somebody? Well, the words I actually use, Lynn, are reset, renew, and restore. But okay. I've also used those words okay. in a different part <laughs> of my website. So you're not incorrect. And I do love the word rebalance. So rebalance, let's look at rebalance in terms of reset. So um, resetting has to do with the holistic approach. So it has to do with, okay, you're right here. 
So I like to think of life as, you know, those directory maps that we find in malls. Mm. You're right here. You're here right now. So that's <laughs> yeah. how we meet our clients, right? Yeah. We meet our clients and they're just at this space, at this position, in this particular place in time. And this is where they find that they have finally decided that they need our help, which is a beautiful thing. So embracing that, I help them to think of what is it that needs rebalancing or resetting? And I start with the mind. In order for us to move forward, we have to know where we stand with our thoughts and what we're thinking about. And very often, um, ladies going through menopause, as I mentioned earlier, they they sometimes have a negative viewpoint. So I really work on saying, well, why not consider that this is a time, just as you said, to release those thoughts mm-hmm. and renew them and you know, reset what you used to think about menopause or what you thought about in terms of, you know, the issues that you're having, basically. So whatever it is, we we sort of unearth those and we talk about them and it might be the approach to food. So how do we reset? It's really about the relationship with your body physically, the relationship with your own soul, your heart issues, your emotions and this is all holistic and as as long as I can um, touch on these points and help them to a certain point because I can't help everybody there are others who might need greater referrals than I can support and then I'll refer them on but if I can at least get you to sort of think through and say hey yeah that might be me I could make the change then we can get to the next point which is uh, renewing you which is wonderful. So you get to start again, you get to see things from a new lens because you've been reset. You get to look at life as instead of maybe feeling stuck in this new dilemma of menopausal years or being stuck with the idea that you're boxed in or sandwiched in or, you know, you get to renew yourself. And that's when we really get into literally the meat of the matter whether it's good for you or not, how it works in your body, what your eating habits are like, how you um, might embrace your own relationship with food, what you might be doing that might be hurting you or creating more symptoms, such as I mentioned earlier, the muscle aches and pains. Some people just have that because they don't move their bodies. And the minute they start to move, they go away. Mm -hmm. Some people have irritability and, and we talk about sleep things like that and that changes the whole mood and the mood swings which are also wonderful side effects or symptoms (laughs) of menopause yeah Um, another one is the heart flash heart flashes are directly related to stressful thoughts they're they're directly related so the more stressed out we are we have more heart flashes so of course from a holistic perspective we nourish them with the herbs that can support them we nourish them with helping to refresh those thoughts and getting more sleep is always a good thing during menopause which is the opposite of what women think and then we get to the point of restore restore is great or rebalance as you said you said rebalance release and renew right when you re- well now there's too many r words. right i've mixed them up there are too many <laughs> r's but renew what i do is reset renew restore so we get to restore and restore is reaching that result, that achievement that you felt better than you've 
probably felt before. And if I've really gotten through to my client, they will feel like they felt when they felt great in their youth. Mm. Now, if they didn't feel good in their youth, then that's not going to work. But <laughs> if they felt great and powerful and, you know, ready to take on the world in their 20s, that's my goal for them when they're going through their menopausal years. And some women start in their 40s. Some women start in their early 50s. Some women, when they're 56 and over, that's when they get to start. Some women never address it. And then they end up having hot flashes when they're in 70. And that's a whole other ball game because there are other things that might have suppressed those symptoms that they didn't realize because they weren't listening to the messages their body was sending them. So um, from that perspective, uh, just recognizing that you can move your client, you can move whichever client through that lens is something that I really enjoy. I enjoy letting you know that this is where you're at, you're here on the map, and we're going to get you to there, and then they will tell me where there is. Mm -hmm. You know, they might say, well, I'd really love to shed a few pounds, which is a, a common statement in menopausal yes. life. Um, and then I'll say, well, well, let's look at how we can reset you, renew that feeling and that sense of what you're doing, and get you restored to that point that you want to reach, which is ultimately the result they're looking for. But of course, as holistic nutritionists, we always want to fold in what they truly need with what they want. And I always remind folks about that who are like colleagues. I do a, a little bit of uh, mentoring of other uh, holistic nutritionists nearby. And we talk about that a lot, you know, giving people that we take care of what they need through the lens of what they want yeah like what is their main goal like what is, right. what is what's your main, main goal what's right. the main goal how do we do that <laughs> exactly like main health complaint and then what are you creating for them to get them to whether it's just like a quick like an end goal of maybe even feeling 50 percent better and then right. adjusting along the way but exactly. your job is really to assess where they are and then get them to the um the end goal is there yes, anything I call myself a detective with unearth, exactly. the, issue. <laughs> unearth the problem like yes. is it sleep is it stress is it movement is it nutrition is it all right. four of those things do they not know how to take care of themselves as the base of all of those things to have true right. health and wellness like that's really the, the 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 lens that I take uh like that's my approach is like is self-care an issue let's exactly. deal with that you know like let's deal with the self-care mindset piece first than the other pillars to get them to feeling well in their body, um, whatever that means to them. Like you said, you know, if you didn't feel well at 20, <laughs> it's going to be hard yes. to get them to feel like they did at 20. You don't want right. them <laughs> to feel bad if that's how they felt at 20. Exactly. exactly. Um, but exactly that. Um, is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with that we haven't said today? Well, I think, um, if I'm speaking to my holistic nutrition hubbers and yeah. <laughs> those who will become hubbers, Lynn, I would say really know how you want to show up for your client. The, the day I decided how to do that and what to do for my client, everything kind of changed for me. And so I want to be the nutritionist that brings hope to women who are going through those difficult years, who haven't seen that they are 
capable of taking charge of their health and that all they need is a little support. I want to be the one that, you know, joins them in their courageous attempt to embrace life and be conquerors of their own life. I want to be the one that brings them into that state where they can embrace being their own superheroes of their life. And I want to become known as the nutritionist, the yes, you can nutritionist, you can do this, you can get this done. And it's so tricky for us in the nutrition world because the confusion that exists on the outside looking in is that what do nutritionists do and how can they really help me? So I want to be the person that shows up and shows them that if they take these tiny steps, just like what you said, sleep or, you know, embracing the right kinds of food or, you know, looking after their self-care portion of their life, they can see those tiny things unfold and change into these powerful things later on. So if I could, I would shout it from the rooftops and say, hire a holistic nutritionist first. But, <laughs> but of course, that's not the way it works. So we just have to just remind ourselves, how do you want to show up for every single client? And if it's not about just um, a one-on-one -on -one experience for you, as I've shared with you before, I used to teach groups. How do you want to show up for the group? How do you want them to perceive what natural health is all about and make those tiny steps towards long-term change? It will become long-term change. And that's where you will find the success that you are looking for. And never, ever, ever, ever forget who you serve mm -hmm. because it is a fact that you serve others and serve them well that keeps you going. At least that's what has happened for me. So I just want to thank you, Lynn, for inviting me to be on this wonderful podcast. I love listening to your talks. I love interacting with you and I love everything that you guys are doing. Please don't give up on us. We need you. <laughs> no, never. No, decide how you want to show up for your clients, right? Like, or for yes. your, your group and your community, right? So exactly. I love your energy and I love what you're doing. And I love sharing with you. Every chat that we have is amazing. Yes. So yes. thanks for being here today. And I really appreciate your time and sharing everything. My absolute, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Lynn, for having me.